Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? You're fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, and I go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna me for my ambition. Welcome on into episode 131 of the Hooper's Log on a Tuesday. Yes, going down on a Tuesday. We only have two more Tuesday shows until we head on back to every other day shows. And it's been since October since we've done every other day shows. Yes, since the preseason when we did our preseason uh, previews of all the divisions and teams. Uh, it's It's been a long time and we're getting down to the point now where there's not as much content to reveal. To you as the fan, uh, obviously yesterday we talked about the the Seattle situation with the arena, and today, after last night, I mean, for me personally, it was probably one of the worst days of basketball in my life. I mean, if you really break it down, this might have been on May 2nd. It wasn't May Day, but it might have been the worst day of basketball in my life, um, and maybe even in my sports life altogether. I mean... City of Seattle shutting down the opportunity to get the uh, to get the team back or getting an arena here to give the team an opportunity to get here, and then the whole fiasco in San Antonio. Look, we're going to talk about it today, and, and I'm actually more I'm actually more okay with it than many people would probably assume, considering my fandom of the Spurs, which is crazy, which I'm sure many of us are about our teams. But I'm actually we'll talk about it. The phone number, if you'd like to call in for the Seat Geek Studios through CLNS Radio, is three two three. Six four two one five five eight. Yes, we are in episode one thirty one. We're going to talk about the two games from last night. Obviously, what happened in San Antonio. We'll get to that later, um, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Andrew Norris is on the line. Hey, Andrew, what's up, man? How you doing? What is going on? I am I am pumped, man. The the Heat Toronto series, which I think I might watch every minute minute of, is fifteen seconds into the first quarter. DeRozan just hit the first bucket of the series. I am pumped to watch that. I am pumped to watch some basketball tonight. I'm pumped to talk about the craziness that ensued last night. Oh, it was an it was an intense uh, it was an intense game. I mean, I, overall though, I mean, for the outside of the last thirty seconds of that game, I mean, actually outside of the final possession, really, uh, that game was one of the best games I've ever seen. Uh, from the standpoint of obviously not not Clippers Spurs from a year ago type, but from the standpoint of entertainment, from the standpoint of you got to give credit to the Thunder for really playing well down the stretch. 
Um, and, and, and for the Spurs, they, 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 they were not themselves, obviously, but they still gritted it out and played team basketball to keep themselves in it. And there were some unbelievable plays down the stretch. Let's get it going. Let's talk about it. Kevin Hart, let's start it off. Hey. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. And as, and as Andrew said, uh, uh, the this, this second round series between Toronto and Miami has begun. Uh, Toronto is up 2 thing to start it off there, and uh, that will get going, and we'll preview that here in a little bit for you. But from last night on a Monday in the first – on the first Monday of May in 2016, on the Hoopers Log on episode 131, the game one between the Hawks and Cavs, it was all Cavs from the get-go, 30-19 to 19 going into the first quarter, after the first quarter – the Hawks found a way, shockingly enough, to get back into this ball game and find a way to keep it competitive. But the Cavs and LeBron James, who went off 25 points, nine assists, seven rebounds, absolute domination by him in this one. Uh, the the realistic in the way that the Cavs played midway through the third, it kind of looked like they was getting away from them a little bit. It was 75-70 going into the going into the fourth, but the Cavs found a way to put the clincher down and get that first victory. And people are saying that this series is probably going to go, you know, five or six or whatever. I think people who think this series is going to go past five are out of their mind. This Cavs team, and we said this from the get-go, we're going to repeat it again, they're just so much better than everybody in the East. I mean, they just really are. There's really no way to get – there's really no way to get to, – to, to list it any other way. This Cavalier team getting the victory the way they did, 104-93 to over the Hawks, just an absolute domination effect. Outside of the third quarter, this game was all Cavs. And, and really, unless the Hawks make a major adjustment in Cleveland for game two, I just don't see how the Cavs can't, don't just do exactly what they just did to the Pistons. They're going to get tested at times against the Hawks, but the Cavs overall are going to play their game, and they're going to walk into the Eastern Conference Finals rested and ready to go against one of these two teams between Miami and Toronto, which, again, I think we all think this series is going to go six at a minimum, seven. I think we all agree that it's going to go seven. So this Cavs team, again, they looked a little little rusty, but they looked fresh coming out the gate in that one against the Hawks, and they got the victory, and they're up 1-0. What would you see from this one, Andrew, last night between the Hawks and Cavs? Yeah, you, you saw in the beginning of the game, I, didn't, I expected the Cavs to get off to a really slow start. Um, you know, a week off is not easy to do, although we saw videos of them practicing and staying loose and things like that. It's still a week off of, of real games, let alone, you know, an NBA playoff game. Uh, so the, it, it was it was really good to see that team get off to a hot, and then you really saw the rust come into play. The the momentum, the the moment really drove them in that first half, and then you saw, saw the rust in the third quarter. Um, I think the team you saw in the first half is a lot closer to the team you'll see around games three or four um, because I, I do think that that this team is just completely better in every way than the Hawks. Um, I'm talking inside, outside. The the one spot yeah. where the Hawks get them is maybe the mid-range game. Um, now, that third quarter, not only was it the Cavs a little rusty, but you know that the Hawks had last year's sweep fresh in their mind. Uh, they don't yeah. want to get swept again, and winning game one is a really easy way to stop that. Um, so, you know, they they really put their head down. They started making some crazy shots. The ball movement was Hawks-esque. 
Um, and, and they played great basketball in the third quarter at a perfect time because the Cavs were playing, you know, their worst basketball so far the postseason. Um, now, the Cavs obviously got their groove back, which I think is a huge, huge factor. Um, the ability to do that, I think, can really change a series, especially when you're coming off a week's rest. So then you look at it, how about when, because now the rest of the series is every other day. How about when this team is, is on an every other day in game three and they get slow for a little bit, how quick will they be able to get that mojo back? Um, you saw a dominant LeBron, and it's amazing. I mean, his stat sheet, yeah. you don't, Unbelievable. You don't you don't watch this game and be like, Oh man, he was he was phenomenal. And then you look at the stat sheet and just think about the way he affected the game. He had what, twenty five points, nine assists, seven rebounds and five steals. Um he yeah. is the drive factor as he is always. Phenomenal basketball this game by LeBron on both ends of the court. Um that was the best yeah. game I have seen him play this entire season. Um now, of course, he's had bigger yeah. scoring outputs. He's had triple doubles, but just all over the place the entire game, leading his teammates, getting his guys open shots. And it really looks like this team chemistry is starting to come together. They look like they're, and it, I know it's so media driven yeah. the whole, the whole oh this team hates each other, but they look like they're finally having fun together. You watch the Golden State Warriors, and they look like brothers. They look like brothers playing the game of basketball together. Yeah. Um, and that's how the Cavs have started to look as of late. I mean, they're never going to be as close as the Warriors because the Warriors are a bunch of players who had chips on their shoulders coming into the NBA, all have very similar paths to get where they were at as far as just being doubted, having to work hard, things things of that nature. Um, and But you could finally – you finally felt like they were a team. Uh, even in the Pistons series, which I think is a huge – Huge deal. Um, so, so that was nice to see Kyrie again in that first quarter. He, he, right now, Kyrie is the reason that that third quarter didn't absolutely kill the Cavs. Yep. Um, because yep. he was, he came out with supreme, supreme confidence. Um, those two back-to-back threes he made, just heat check, absolutely nutty threes, uh, really got this team going, and. I think they're going to sweep. I think they're going to start the playoffs 8-0 this year. There's so many different ways you can attack looking at this ball game. I mean, looking at the stat sheet and actually watching the game itself, uh, I watched the fourth quarter a little bit because I was intrigued that the Hawks found a way to keep it close going into the fourth. Again, only down five heading in. And uh, cutting it close uh, there at some point in the fourth quarter, really making it a ball game. But like you said, you saw Kyrie Irving really go off. Uh, J.R. Smith also had a couple of clutch shots down the stretch. You saw playoff Tristan Thompson again, 14 rebounds. That's why they paid this man the money they did because he does this in the postseason. Uh, and Kevin Love, 17 points, 11 rebounds. Look, one of the quietest double-doubles you'll see in, in the playoffs. And the craziest thing is, and you mentioned it, LeBron had five steals. I was just looking at this. He had more steals than turnovers. Look, think, I mean, think about that. Like, when you equate plays that, that take away – a turnover possibility this this Cavs team only had eight turnovers yesterday I mean and LeBron had four of them but that's because LeBron holds the ball most of the time and and that is I mean I, I think I've only seen a couple of games in the past couple of years in the past couple of years where again and you said it yourself LeBron's had better uh, statistical outputs and better games altogether but when you look at this 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 game and how it played out 
down the stretch. I mean, if there's any other way to view what an MVP looks like, it was in this game. Look, this, this Hawks team, the only, honestly, if the Hawks had the height and the size that the Cavs had, I think this would actually be a a legendary series. But the problem is, is they got a guy in Paul Millsap, Al Horford, uh, you know, Muscala, other guys, the guys just aren't big enough on this Hawks team. They play a lot like the, it's funny because they just played the Celtics, but they're a lot like, they're basically the Celtics on crack. They don't have necessarily, they have, they have, they have some fringe stars like Jeff Teague. He's a great player. He's an, he's an all-star type player at his best, but Kyle Korver is a great shooter, but they're not, they don't have that good. They don't have that punch factor. They don't, they, they have it enough to get far, but they don't have enough to go to a title at all. Or even maybe even last year they hit their ceiling and we saw that they still didn't have enough to beat a team like the Cavs because they don't have a go-to guy. And when you look at the team, uh, the way that the way the Hawks played yesterday, they needed Dennis Schroeder to step up and score 27 points to even keep them in this ball game. I mean, they lost by 11 yesterday, and Dennis Schroeder was the main factor in why they stayed in this game. He was on fire yesterday, 10 of 20 from the field, 5 of 10 from three, and he was all over the basketball court getting everything set up offensively for this team, and they still could not hang with the Cavs. And, and the thing is, and you said it, LeBron played an outstanding game both ends of the court. I mean, outside of LeBron James, who had the four turnovers, and that's not even a lot. Four turnovers is nothing, people. This team only committed four turnovers outside of LeBron carrying this team. 41 minutes. If you have four turnovers in 41 minutes, that's a turnover a quarter. That's unbelievable. And then on top of it, five steals, that's a steal a quarter. This guy, this guy is, I mean, he, he literally impacted this entire game, all ends, every single angle of the court. He dominated this game in every fashion. And, and it's, it, it just it, it it still baffles me that we have the conversation of MVP the way we do with some guys. Obviously, we're not here to talk about that and bash about that, but LeBron, again, is the reason why this team is so great. And Kyrie being an unbelievable – I mean, not just a supporting cast, an all-star supporting cast. Kevin Love putting in really, really quiet 17 and 11s, and then Tristan Thompson playing his role as a rebounder down low and a defensive presence. And you see guys coming off the bench with little contributions and playing their role. Like you said, this team's coming together. And I, I said this before the playoffs, and, I, and you guys heard me when we made our playoff predictions at the end of the season and obviously going into playoffs the first weekend of the playoffs. I said it, look, this Cavs team is going to head into the postseason about three, four, five, ten times better than they were last year because, first of all, all this media, like you said, media-driven animosity is not real. It's not real. It's it's a flat-out joke. It was all just built to, to, to create some stir-up and create some, some, some clips throughout the league, clicks for people, clickbait. And on top of that, this team, when they go through the East, they're going to play teams like the Hawks, like they played the Pistons. They're going to play either Miami or Toronto, and they're going to play – uh, really tough, and they're going to play these teams really tough from the standpoint of they're not going to just come out and say, oh, we're going to lay down because it's the Cavs. No, they're going to come out, like you said, the Hawks, they don't want to get swept again. And this Cavs team is only going to go through with a healthy Kevin Love. I mean, granted, he got a little dinged up yesterday. I think he's going to be fine. Kyrie Irving is fully healthy heading into this postseason. Tristan Thompson's only improving upon what he did last postseason, and everybody else is filling into their roles perfectly it's not just players in spots anymore it's players filling roles now and that's what you see after a year and a half of development two years now of development of an entire team and now that everyone's been together for over a year and they know what they're supposed to bring to the table 
it, it just makes it that much more scary. And like you said, outside of Golden State, and even maybe even the Spurs, I mean, I, I think it's actually a coin toss between the Cavs and Spurs now with how well the Cavs have been playing. You wait till this Cavs team gets to the NBA Finals with the ability that they're going to have getting there. And really, and I said it, once they get to the Finals, they're not going to have any pressure on them to win, especially if Golden State or San Antonio are waiting there because the media and all the scrutiny and all of the press is going to be on can the Western Conference team be the greatest team of all, one of the greatest teams of all time. You have, That's the narrative being driven for the Spurs and Warriors. Always, if you have LeBron, you always, always have pressure on you to win. Um, so I think the pressure is maybe greater for the Cavs, um, but I do get your point, simply because of LeBron. But, you know, right. Golden State already got their ring. The Spurs have five rings. LeBron needs one for exactly. Cleveland. LeBron's also two and four. So those are the type of things that I think the pressure is really going to mount on Cleveland from the finals more so than the other teams. And, you know, I'll debate this. Out of all the years that LeBron James has been in the finals, and this is where we're anticipating his sixth straight appearance, he's been to seven – I mean, this, he's been to six in his career. We're anticipating seven in his career. LeBron James, I mean – outside of 07 has had pressure on him every single finals for, for understandable reasons. He's the King. He's, he's anointed himself as the best player in basketball. He's, he's had, I mean, I, I saw a stat from Calvin today, uh, one of our writers for the Hoopers log uh, about LeBron James's MVP season in 09. His supporting cast was Delonte West. I mean, come on now. Like that's unbelievable. I mean, as an MVP in 09, one of the greatest MVP seasons of all time, that's all you really got to say. Who's his supporting cast? But I get back to my point. I mean, outside of 07, because really we all we, we all knew, we all knew that they had definitely hit uh, gone through their ceiling to go play the Spurs in 07. They they just did not have a chance. They did not have the supporting cast that they do now. But the point is, is you know, 11. They had the Heat with you know that they were supposed to win that Finals. They were cocky. They got their butt kicked four straight games. Definitely a choke job. 12. Definitely LeBron needed to win a title or else the ramifications were going to hang over his head. He got it done. He had pressure, but he did it. And that was one of the best years I've seen LeBron James. And then the next season, he only just elevated himself to put more pressure on himself, but he carried himself through one of the greatest top 10 teams, in my opinion, of all time, the 2012-2013 Heat. And he did it being the best LeBron ever seen. Breaking news. Yeah, we do have a little bit of breaking news. Uh, looks like in the first quarter of the Toronto Raptors versus Miami Heat game, Hassan Whiteside went down with what looked like an upper leg injury. Uh, not sure how serious no. it is. He did walk off under his own power, um, did have a pretty bad limp, though, and had, looked like he was in some very severe pain. Uh, you hope it's nothing serious. Didn't look like it's anything that's going to keep him out for an extended amount of time. It was just uh, Jonas Valanciunas being a brick wall. But uh, yeah. that remains to be, you know, we're, hope, we're hoping, uh, we're hoping no matter how annoying that guy Hassan Whiteside is, that uh, he's all right. Talk about big men for the Heat getting absolutely just, I mean, it's just not fair. I mean, if you're a Heat fan, you talk about, oh, man, Chris Bosh, obviously way more important than basketball, off-the-court health problem, not problems, but more just health wariness with his, his blood clots being absolutely terrifying from a life perspective. And then now Hassan Whiteside getting hurt a little bit, sounds like, uh, from that. But, but back to the point between LeBron, you know, LeBron James again. I think this is the only finals this, at this point in his career where he's going to have the least amount of pressure, especially if Golden State or San Antonio get into the finals. And I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. There's always pressure on LeBron because it's LeBron. But I think this will be the one year 
where I think the media gives them a pass if they don't win the title because obviously the Spurs with 67 wins, 40 and one at home. Well, now, now realistically two losses at home, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the four years with the four years with with the Heat, and then obviously the one year last year with with Cleveland, he was anticipated, and people are gonna, you know, the narrative's gonna say, oh, two and four, two and four. I mean, just recognize that it's LeBron James. All the pressure's on him all the time. Andrew, do you want to get to this Western Conference brouhaha that happened last night? Let's do it. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll just I'll just flat out say it. You know, I'm I'm gonna talk for about five minutes, and then I'm just gonna let Andrew go, and I'm just gonna give you my my fan perspective and my and my objective perspective. Look, first of all, objectively, this game was. One of the one of the more entertaining games I've seen in basketball in a long time, and if I didn't have a dog in the fight, I, that was some outstanding television last night. Just unbelievable television from both ends of the court. Uh, both teams really playing well. Now the Spurs did. I would I would agree did not shoot the ball well at all. Outside of Lamarcus Aldridge going off for forty one, he literally had the Ninja Turtle backpack on his back and carried. I mean, he carried this team last night. They did not play well, and Lamarcus shooting the ball was 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 a was a beautiful thing to see. It was a treat. It was definitely a treat, and he went off. Um, and, and then on top of that, the Thunder. Look, they did everything last night we wanted to see this team do all season long, which was play team basketball down the stretch, extra passes, get the stars involved, make the plays necessary to win the ball game and be efficient down the stretch. Yes, they still turned the ball over 18 times. They definitely were not effect, you know, efficient when it came to handling the ball at certain points of the game, and they definitely had their struggles. And they were up big early in this game. They were up 16-4 to at one point, and the Spurs went on this crazy run in the second quarter to find a way to get back into it. And, and actually only trail, I think, by about two or three points heading into, the, heading into the half. And so for that, the Spurs found a way to grip. But for the most part, the Spurs didn't have it, but they kept it close. But you also need to give the credit to the Thunder from the standpoint of, look, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook got theirs. KD, 28 points. Russell Westbrook, 29 and 10 and seven rebounds as well. Then the part that was the most impressive to me throughout this entire ball game, and I mean the entire, even in the final 13 seconds, defense of the, of the Oklahoma City Thunder was the best I've seen it in a long time. And I'm not just saying that because the Spurs didn't play well and whatnot. I'm serious. That help defense by the Thunder was outstanding. If you want a clinic on watching what help defense looked like, go watch what Steven Adams did yesterday. He had 17 rebounds and 12 points, and I can guarantee you many of those rebounds, uh, many of them on the defensive side of the ball, were because he was in perfect defensive position rotating when the ball would move for the San Antonio Spurs. The reason why the Spurs didn't shoot as well as they normally do was, was due to the fact that, that guys like Steven Adams, Serge Ibaka, and other players on that team, and even Russ Westbrook playing great defense, I mean, at points, this was, I mean, just great defense by the Thunder from that perspective and also uh, really, really slowing down the Spurs. And it didn't help that the Spurs didn't have great quality shots at certain points in the fourth quarter, but for the most part, you have to give credit to the Thunder. Another thing that made it fun to watch was Russell Westbrook getting really frustrated on the sideline. Look, and it was mentioned multiple times throughout the game, and this is why Russell Westbrook's my favorite player. Look, the guy is not a head case. Stop saying that the guy is, is, is selfish and this and that. The guy wants to play the damn game. Look, this guy, this guy the, the competitive – if you aren't an athlete, 
if you aren't an athlete, you can't speak on the behalf of Russell Westbrook's actions last night. If you're a competitive, intense athlete with the, if you want to win so badly to the point where it makes your blood boil and it makes you go, it makes you tick a little bit differently than others. You know exactly the frustration Russell Westbrook had last night. This guy, look, 37 minutes last night. This guy wanted to play 48. This guy could have played 90 minutes of basketball last night, like a soccer. He could have played a soccer game's worth of basketball last night, and he still would have been fine. This guy is an is a athletic dynamo who wants to just play forever. And for him to get the rest at the time he did, look, before the fourth quarter, I totally get it. All the rest spots that he had were perfect. But for him to be resting four minutes, Five minutes into the fourth quarter, you saw the frustration in between timeouts, in between plays with him and Kevin Durant. That's just them being – that's just them wanting to get to the next level. That's just them wanting to be great. That's why they were frustrated each other. That's going to happen. How in the heck does Kevin Durant have 42, point, 42 minutes played and Russell Westbrook has 37? Those two guys should be on the court at the same time at every time. For Russ to get five minutes on the bench late in the ball game when your team is playing very well, mind you, very well. And, and Russell Westbrook's the reason. Because I only had three turnovers last night. The Russell Westbrook was not the reason why they were struggling uh, at points in the second half. They were not. There were a couple of plays where, yes, he, went, he did a little bit of Russ. He was a little bit of thing. But his jumper last night was absolutely straight fire. And when that guy is hitting mid-range jumpers the way he is, good night. Absolutely good night. There's nothing you can do. There's ab- I mean, he's, that's what makes him... In my opinion, and again, I know people are going to go crazy because of Steph Curry and blah, 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 but this, that's why he's the best point guard in the game. There was a Look, that one drive to the basket where he went one-on-three to the hoop late in the ball game, it was a crucial uh, steal and a fast break, and, and, and that play right there, I, I, I don't know. If you don't get excited for things like that, it's almost like how, why do you watch basketball? That was an incredible athleticism display all by itself he went from one foot jumping diagonally about three feet within the three within the free throw line he jumped 12 feet from the rim floating off one foot diagonally to the other side of the basket off the wrong leg to make a free throw in i mean excuse me layup in transition on three guys on the san antonio spurs absolute grace beauty at its finest a picasso on the basketball court beautiful things by Russell Westbrook, and, and Billy Donovan had the nerve to take him out for five minutes in the fourth. It baffled me, and, and a lot of people on Twitter were the same way. It was just this whole game was unbelievable. And, and then let me get to the final 13 seconds before I let Andrew talk. This, this, this final 13 and a half seconds, look, as an objective fan, it was, it was a wash. It didn't matter which way it went. I mean, there were fouls on both ends. Both teams did some things. That obviously were, were uh, you know, everyone's talking about the Dion Waiters push. I get it. Ginobili stepped out of bounds. Danny Green fouled Kevin Durant. Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard got into it a little bit before the play. Steven Adams went out of bounds. The fans grabbed him. Uh, 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 LaMarcus Aldridge went up. He got fouled. There was a whole bunch of mess that happened in that final 13 and a half. And if you really look at it from the objective perspective, it, it all kind of just turned into a wash, ultimately. Ultimately. And, and, the point that I always make as a as just an objective casual NBA uh, observer is that I always try to say this late in games refs swallow your whistles and and for that perspective I'm happy about it but from another perspective 
there's got to be a time where you have to – I mean, look, it gets to a point where you start to think, where is the integrity? I mean, Deion Waiters doing what he did, there should have been at least like a pause and been like, okay, it's going on. Let's go to the monitor and see what the heck just happened, or at least something in that degree. As a Spurs fan, I didn't know how to react. I was a little bit like, what's going on? Uh, he got pushed, and then I heard, you know, of all people, which is hilarious – of all people, Chris Weber is the guy is the guy freaking out on national TV. I thought that was the, I thought that was just the I thought that was the epitome of the entire thirteen and a half seconds. I thought it was Chris Weber freaking out about you know oh it's an offensive foul you know saying it nine million times. It's funny because it's like bro like I, I you know what I really wish would have happened in that circumstance just for the media's sake. I really wish Marv Albert would have just stepped in and said, hey Chris, uh, just just chill out. I really w- that would have been the greatest sound drop of all time. Chris, chill out. That that would I would have used that on my show. Like that would have been used on my show every single time. Andrew would be pushing it all the time, like he would now. And Andrew, here you go. What was your take on that final, the final possession in this game in general? Well, the Russell Westbrook stuff bothered me. Um, there is a difference between being emotional, uh, being frustrated you're not in the game, and possibly hurting your team. Uh, when he scoots down to the end end of the bench and then gets out of camera because he scoots so far down uh, because he doesn't want to listen to his coach, that's when it kind of crosses the line. You know, if he got upset and he had a little passionate discussion, you know, his discussion with KD was fine. Um, right. The arguments that looked like they were, and that's, that's basketball. That's, you know, you're with your teammates, you disagree on something. That's how, you know, we yell at each other, we fight, things like that. But when he when he crossed the line is going to the end of the bench, that's when it's like, you know what, man, that's, and I hate to use this card, but you're never going to see LeBron do it. You're never going to see Steph Curry do it. You're never going to yeah. see Chris Paul or Dwayne Wade do it. Um, and, and I just think that's something that can't happen. And if I was Billy Donovan, that's something where I would be sitting down with Russell Westbrook uh, today, going over, seeing what the hell happened, because it's unacceptable on, on all measures. He's a professional He's paid to be a professional, not a little kid who's pissed off about, you know, getting sit, sat for a couple extra minutes. Um, the game as a whole, the Thunder played the the way they need to play to win this series. Everybody was involved. Steve yep. Adams played his role to perfection as always. Um, and you didn't even get, I mean, great Kevin Durant. You know, you got very good Kevin Durant. Yeah. There's still a whole other place of Kevin Durant. And coming into the series, I was pretty confident the Spurs weren't getting pushed past six. Watching that game, and I don't want to overreact, I I wouldn't be shocked if the Thunder won the damn series. I really wouldn't. Uh, yeah. They played great. Uh, I think they have a way, a system in place now to, to really give the Spurs some trouble. Um, like you said, the health defense was phenomenal. The ball movement, they went to the basics, which is what it takes to beat the Spurs. The basics, the fundamentals, the ball movement, the one-on-one defense, the help defense, and rebound. They did it all great, and I think that's what – I think they realized they did. I don't think it was one of those one-game mirages. I think you're going to see a terrific series from this point on. Now, the last 12 seconds is where it got a little funky, um, and it's really a lose-lose situation for the NBA. Not only do you see the fact of first Manu steps out, then Manu gets elbowed in the chest. Then Steven Adams gets his arm grabbed. It's all ridiculous, and I am not one who thinks, oh, these officials are terrible. I think the NBA is the best officials out of any sport. Although I kill them on the daily, that just shows how bad the officials are in other sports. 
Um, yeah. To miss everything is where it, it's it's too much. To miss five fouls in a 12-second span, I don't care if it's game seven of the finals. And, right. And, and that, all that nonsense happens. And you know what? By the time it got to the elbow, like I said, it's a lose-lose situation. If they call that elbow, then the story is, well, why didn't they call Manu stepping on the line? Um, yeah. But these officials need to make the correct calls. Don't I, I'm not a believer of swallow your whistles. Uh, if a player misses a clutch shot with 30 seconds left, that's just like a ref missing an important call with 30 seconds left. Those shots are the yeah. most important shots of the game. Why would we not want them officiated correctly? Um, and, and I get to fear of being the the guy who made the bad call. I mean, look at Jim Joyce, who took the perfect game away from Armando Galarraga a few years back on one of the worst blown calls you'll ever see. That That is yeah. the fear that these referees have. But you know what? They're paid to do their job the right way for 48 minutes or more, um, depending on the game. Uh, so they, they need to do it for 48 minutes or more, no matter what the situation, it all needs to be in their mind as a zero to zero game, and it, it was it was it was unbelievable what we saw last night. Five in twelve seconds, I could have officiated better than that. I don't care if you've never seen a player elbow somebody from from behind the out of bounds line. I promise you, my five year old nephew would have known that that was against the rules. You got to make a call. You're allowed to huddle up after making a call, and guess what? The ball is still out of bounds. If you don't think it's a call after huddling up, you can say accidental whistle. It's that simple. Yeah. So the, these referees um, should be definitely not allowed to ref in the finals. That should be their punishment. Oh, yeah. um, they they maybe should be suspended for a couple games during the playoffs. I don't think they shouldn't be able to uh, ref another game throughout the whole playoffs, but – they need to do much, much better. There needs to be some form of punishment. Uh, again, you look at the players. The players don't play well. Guess what? They're not playing. The rest don't ref well. They shouldn't ref. Um, it, it's just that simple. It, it was embarrassing for the league. Uh, I can't even imagine how much more embarrassing it was when they had to announce the 5 and 12 seconds because we all saw it. I don't think any of us realized it was as bad as 5 and 12 seconds. Um and they need to do something to really kind of make up for it. You know, I wish in a perfect world uh, they go back, they play those last 10 seconds, they give uh, a tech to Manu, uh, and then they got to go inbound again um, because that's just how it should be done. I wish it would have been able to get changed right there on the spot, uh, but then you set a precedent, and then everybody's going to want everything changed, and it becomes more of a problem than a solution. Uh, so these, these teams really – or these refs really need to just do better. Um, they don't have the excuse the NFL refs have uh, where they're not full-time employees and NFL refs have to go get other jobs. Uh, these guys right. are full-time. They get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this, and they need to step their game up, plain and simple. Yeah, that's 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 definitely I agree with that. And, you know, on a side note, when it comes to the, the, the actual play on the court, I mean, you talk about a situation for the Oklahoma City Thunder – of, you know, what is going on with Serge Ibaka's defense? I mean, obviously, as a team defense, he's playing great, but individually, LaMarcus Aldridge is eating him for lunch. I mean, this guy last night, look, and again, I said it, Ninja Turtle backpack, carried the team on his back, and this guy was, un, I mean, I look, this is the LaMarcus Aldridge I think I expected, not this good, 
but 15 of 21 from the field. It was getting to a point where they were flashing his stats on the screen for the last, like, three, four minutes of the game. And the more and more he kept getting the ball, the more and more he kept playing, I was sitting there, and I was get, I was making the stank eye face that he was making. I was like, ooh, that's a bad boy. Like, that guy, think about it, people. This guy's got a broken pinky. As you watched him shoot those three free throws at the end of the game, you can tell he has to almost push the ball to the rim because he doesn't have the shot. This guy's playing the best basketball of his career right now in the most critical time in his career. It's unbelievable. More breaking news. Uh, Hassan White that has checked back into the game. Uh, he's got a little bit of a limp, but it seems like he's all right. Some good news there. There we go. Good stuff. Good stuff to hear that he's back. Yeah, that would definitely impact the series if he's not there. Obviously, Valanciunas would have the bigger size advantage. But, again, LaMarcus Aldridge just – I mean, the last game he played as well, he had 30-plus points again. And then and then last night, 15-21 from the field. And every single one of those free throws that he made were huge down the stretch, especially when he got that three uh, when he got that three foul going up. This, I mean, and he made a three-pointer last night as well. This guy is, I mean, it, honestly, without his contribution last night, which is how bad the Spurs played. Think about this, 21 field goals. The Spurs only made 40 field goals throughout the entire game. He made – I mean, they, they only would have made 25 field goals without him. Maybe they only would have made 30. They would have gotten their butts blown off uh, the door hinges last night if this guy didn't show up, and he did. And 41-8-3-2. and two. Eight, Three assists, two blocks. Uh, just an unbelievable performance by him. He definitely was the performer of the night. And like you said, we didn't see the best – we haven't seen the great – Kevin Durant, but 11-19 from the field, 5-5 five five from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. Yes, he had 5 turnovers, but, but 28 points and 7 rebounds, 4 assists. And if you watched Kevin Durant play that game, which you even said it yourself, that was a very moderate to, to chilled out, intense Kevin Durant. That was not the, I'm going to go ape zone on everybody, Kevin Durant, and score 40 on you and try and light you up. That was the just moderate to hang out. 42-minute, you know, keep it simple, stupid Kevin Durant. That was ridiculous. Again, just goes to show you that he is he is the second greatest player in the NBA, talent-wise, that we just have, bar none. It's just not even a debate. And, and again, Russell Westbrook, 11-25, shot the ball a lot. Again, 29 points on 25 shots is not what you want to see. But, again, the guy, 10 assists, 7 rebounds. And I agree with you from the standpoint of getting away from the team. And now – there's another caveat to that. I agree with you from the standpoint of leaving your team. You don't do that. But at the same time, maybe he just needed to really cool down uh, through some certain things. But, again, I agree with you. Overall, <laughs> needing to be with your team, better be around. to do it. Oh, agree. No, 100% agree. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, agree. Better times to do it. Maybe if you get pissed in the second quarter, back away for about a minute or two, and then when the timeout comes, at least sit in and look engaged. At least sit and look engaged, or even if you're not engaged, at least be there. And I agree with you on that perspective. That's a good point. So, unbelievable game there. Again, the Oklahoma City get the victory. Oklahoma City Thunder get the victory 98-97 to over the San Antonio Spurs, tied 1-1 going back to Oklahoma City. That game will be about will be the game three will be in about five years uh from now as they get about four days off which it feels like it's 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 a long time from now um and tonight's games tonight's games that's your recap of last night tonight's games in the nba obviously uh game one between toronto and uh between toronto and the miami heat is on right now and with what's going on in that one, as you heard, Hassan Whiteside getting a little banged up as time's been going on. The Trailblazers and Warriors are playing tonight. Uh, that's game two. I'm curious to see. The Raptors are only up one with nine minutes to go in the half. 
what's your what, what do you see happening in this game the rest of the way against the Heat and Raptors on TNT? And then what do you see going up against the Trailblazers and Warriors, which, again, Steph Curry not involved, out again. What do you see happening between the Trailblazers and Warriors? And, and along with what's going to happen the rest of the way between the Heat and Raptors, Andrew? Um, we're seeing a bruiser. In Toronto right now. I mean, these two teams are physical. They're going at Old each other. We're three and a half minutes into the second quarter, and it's only 27 to 26. Uh, Jonas Valchunas has been dominant, dunking the ball on every chance he gets, and you know that Jonas Valchunas one-handed stuff dunk that he does um, it, it has looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, so this series, I think this is how it's going to be played. Uh, you're going to need some clutch moments from Wade if you're the Heat. You're going to need some good scoring nights from uh, Kyle Lowry finally in the playoffs if you're the Raptors. Uh, this has the makings of a seven-game series. I personally have the yes. Raptors in six. Um, but, man, does this look like it's going to be a fun series. As far as later tonight, uh, you know, I expect the Warriors to kind of slow down a little bit. They can't be this great without Steph Curry. I mean, they can't. It, there's no way. Um and I expect the Trailblazers to keep close. I still think the Warriors will get the win, but it'll be very interesting to see. Um, you know, so, you, know, you, you go. go. You're good. Uh, I was gonna uh, say I want to see. Oh man. Okay. I want to see. I want to see Damian Lillard. <laughs> I want to see Damian Lillard pull off a LeBron James type moment in the NBA Finals from last year, where he goes off for 45 and 10 and he pounds the ball into the ground as the Blazers go back to Portland and have a 1-1 series tie. That would be sick. But I, I agree with you. I think the Warriors and Trailblazers will – I think the Warriors will slow down. It'll be a better game, and I think the Warriors will win going back to Portland. But it'll, I think I think Portland will have confidence in this game going back to Portland, knowing that if Steph Curry's not there, they'd have a shot at getting a victory at home. What were you going to say, Andrew? Uh, just – I'm with you. I want – I want Damian Lillard. I want C.J. McCollum to really flex their muscle, which they haven't, or they didn't in the first game. Uh, that's what they need to win, you know, to stretch the series out. They're not going to win this series. But to stretch the series out, they do need that. And, you know, you stretch a series out, you can always upset. It's always possible, especially when the team's missing their best player. But, you know, another player, what if Draymond Green goes out and tweaks their ankles? So they need to yeah. come out like they're the favorite in this series. They need to try to dominate the Warriors on the offensive end, um, and they just kind of need to be decent on defense. That's what it's going to take. Uh, they need to really force Sean Livingston into some jump shots instead of that stupid post jump shot that he never misses. Um, yeah. It's just, it, it was it, – that, that's what it's going to take for them to stretch out. Again, uh, all it takes is one more player going down, and they have a legitimate chance at this series. Not that that's something you oh, that's want the- to happen – but it is something that, you know, in your mind, that's what it takes. And that's the key to this series, I think, and you mentioned it. Draymond Green coming out, playing well. He does not have a mismatch in this series at all. I mean, if you consider Aminu to be a mismatch, I mean, I don't know what you're watching because this guy has it all laid out for him. A lot like the way LaMarcus Aldridge has been playing, Draymond Green has it all laid out for him in this series to really go off and show his talents to look like the best player on the floor, Steph Curry or not, because Damian Lillard and Steph Curry match up so similarly from the way they score the ball. And then obviously Clay Thompson and CJ McCollum are, are you know, th- th- I mean, the Trailblazers are a top five backcourt. They are. And, and knowing that the Warriors are definitely the, the one, the number one backcourt. I mean, though they kind of, they don't wash themselves out definitely when Steph Curry's on the floor, because obviously the Warriors are better, 
with Steph Curry on the floor. But from the standpoint of those guys match each other up, they do. Draymond Green doesn't have a matchup at all to worry about against the Trailblazers. I mean, he, he can go off and pretty much do whatever he wants. He has to play that way. And, and fun fact before we get out of here, you know, the last time the Raptors won a playoff series, their last series when they beat the Pacers, it was back in 01, Andrew. You know who the you know you know what the marquee matchup was in that series between uh you know you know how far the Toronto Raptors got that year? They got to the Eastern Conference Finals and it was Vince Carter versus Allen Iverson and Andrew. I know you're too young to remember it, but it was one of those series where I'm telling you, Allen Iverson and Vince Carter Duke they they duked it out, and it was – I'm telling you, you can check them out on, on on the classics on YouTube and all that. It was an absolute treat to watch because it was unbelievable. That was, what, that was what was cool. When I heard that, the last time they won a playoff series was back in 01. I was like, oh, man, those were the glory days of when those two guys were two of the best players in the NBA. we got about a minute left on the show. We actually have a phone call real quick before we get out of here. We'll go into the podcast a little bit. Uh, we got a one 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 phone call. What, what are you doing? Who are you doing? How are you doing? Color. Well, they didn't answer. Don't worry about it. Uh, let's just get out of here. Oh, we got we got uh, we got about a minute left on the show. We're gonna get out of here quickly. Uh, again, episode one thirty one, Tuesday, it May third, two thousand and sixteen. Got about eh, ten fifteen seconds to go. Angie, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Don't worry about the time clock. Just uh, say what you got to say, and we'll head on out. Yep, go check out the. Hoop- I got loud, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go check out the HooperBlog.com. Go check us out on YouTube. Chris Lowe's for the video today. Uh, at Tuck Beeble now, at Timo Buckets 253, at NBA Talk Always, at M Hicks 1994, at Kelvin Paul Dude. That's how you name it off without taking a breath. That's that Buster Rhymes and look at me now type deal right there. <laughs> so, go check it all out. Uh, give us a follow. We're almost at 23,000, which would be huge. Um, you know, tweet us your opinions. Call into the next show, guys. Other than that, as I say every time, peace. I hope you're not deaf. Have a good night. Enjoy yourself, everybody.